Hello everyone, welcome to the New Humanist Podcast. I'm Damien and this is episode 15 and the first of part 3. The topic for part 3 is the problem with secular versions of humanism. Following on from part 2 in which I critiqued various issues that religion has and why in its current form, in its current trajectory, in its character, religions in the modern world are ill-suited, are ill-fit, in many ways increasingly problematic when it comes to addressing, meeting, engaging the needs of the human mind and soul. In the following seven episodes, starting today, I would engage the problem of secular versions of humanism, or secularism, or secular ideologies and theories and ways of approaching life, I by definition tend to be, or at least ought to be, humanistic in character. In the course of the next seven episodes, I would critique these secular versions of humanism, which broadly fall under the categories of either atheism or agnosticism or and or the affirmation of generally non-transcendental, reductive, purely materialistic worldviews and ideology, and increasingly, and I guess logically, an affiliation with left-wing or leftist political positions. Now this is a tricky, and so far I've tried to stay away from the political aspect, that is to say how the question of humanism and its relationship with religion and God by extension connects with the uh, political, because there is a political dimension, no doubt. Maybe at one level, my engagement of market economics, my uh, affirmation of market systems, okay, that itself may have, uh, would have been perceived as a pro-right wing, that's the right word, tilt, or at least not the whole affirmation of left-wing or left-leaning policies. That could be one of the thoughts that could have run through the mind of the listener. Nonetheless, in the course of the next seven episodes, there'll be more of a, a political angle, one could say, emerging. Not that it is purposeful, not that it is intended, but it is something that the listener could expect. And uh, this is part of a broader critique of secular, God-rejecting versions of humanism. Okay, so what happens now? First off, the secular critique would focus on these key areas. Atheism, agnosticism, reductive materialism, and it's growing affinity with leftism, right? Which is essentially a political view and the political dynamics that underlie or that emerge out of a formation of a secular humanistic worldview. Now, this is very broad, and I would expand upon these points going forward. A critique of humanism in terms of its secular character, in terms of its atheistic character, that is to say, a humanism which is atheistic in its uh, predicates, in terms of its fundamentals. That does not necessarily mean rejection of the critique of religion that stems from a theistic or secular worldview. Much of the secular critique of religion has, by definition, been secular. That is to say, many people, most people, have raised issues with religion in terms of the problematic character, in terms of its adverse effects, in terms of its inadequacies, in terms of its shortfalls throughout history have been of a secular disposition. People who have had uncertainties, who have had questions, who have felt unease with the religious uh, framework. I guess it has to be said most notably Karl Marx comes to mind, the notable materialist key thinker, certainly in the social sciences. And uh, that's just one of many. Certainly going back to the French Revolution and the deeper spiritual antecedents, one could say, goes back even further to pre-Reformation and so post-Reformation. So there are many aspects. The secular impulse, the secular urge, which by definition is anti-religious, a critique of religion, an antagonistic force towards religious belief. This has multiple points of origin. It has different ways of manifesting itself. It has different ways of articulating its positions and confronting questions about human well-being, about human nature, about purpose, about life, 
about God. And the problem here is that these critiques, while important, while significant, while containing truths, truths, great revelations, it has to be said, nonetheless, they don't hit upon the critical need for the transcendental. They don't engage the human character fully. They don't engage the reality of the person, which is not purely material, which is not purely tethered to materialistic outcomes or immediacy of outcomes which are functional, which are logical, which are necessary, right, which are urgent. There are deeper wants and aspirations, deeper beliefs, desires and aims and hopes, one could say, that form the character of the human psyche. And secular worldview, secular ideologies in this regard, don't or in many respects fail to confront, engage fully these realities. And uh, secular impulse in this regard is problematic, it seems, to the humanistic urge to live fully, to live a wholesome life, to live life where there is joy, meaning, and purpose. Secularism, or various secular ideologies that stem from a God-rejecting worldview, in this regard are problematic to a humanistic worldview. A quick example. Uh, and this is basically a face of what's to come. Uh, take the uh, new atheist movement, which became very popular in the mid-2000s. So this is post-9-11. And these guys, led by the likes of Hitchens, Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, I guess to a much lesser extent, Daniel Dennett, increasingly off late, people like Lawrence Krauss, and a whole host of writers and thinkers and social critiques got engaged in the God morality debate. Now, the thing about them was that whilst their critique of religion was quite a forceful, quite impactful, got people interested in the moral arguments about life, about God, about religion, etc. It also opened up key avenues for debate within the scientific world, that is say the compatibility between faith and science, between belief in God and the reasonableness of believing in God. And in you know, a whole host of subjects, I mean, the new atheists, most of these guys came from different intellectual backgrounds. Dawkins was in biology, Samaras was in neuroscience and so on, and Krauss was in physics, and Christovichens, of course, was a literary writer and thinker. And, and that's interesting. So it essentially opened up the debate. I was personally very interested, quite vested, if I might say, in that debate. However, if you notice the new atheist movement, something about their converse, something about their approach to the question about God, about the transcendental, about afterlife, about religion and its importance, whereas a very direct, very singular, very one-dimensional, very unequivocal in many respects. That is, they did not consider possibilities with their critique of religion. That is to say, they were so focused on attacking the fundamentals of faith, attacking the nature of religion, attacking the, the belief or the significance of belief, the output affirming the transcendental. This is evident in the course of their many books, The End of Faith by Sam Harris, Letter to a Christian Nation, also by Sam Harris, The God Delusion, most notably by Dawkins, a number of books by Christopher Hitchens, most notably God is Not Great and The Missionary Position, etc. Think about them, and I guess even to some extent, Lawrence Krauss's Universe from Nothing. I'm reading that book, although I had trouble following his arguments. Anyway, the point is, if you set yourself out to criticize religion and belief in God and the transcendental as your singular aim, that is your primary focus, there's a tendency to become, in its own right, irrational to lose focus on the more fundamental question, on the primary concern that ought to drive us, that ought to animate our being. That is human well-being, right? That is to advance the good of the person, the good of society, to help people lead better, fuller, more joyful lives. And it seems that the secular critique of religion in that regard has fallen prey to an ideology of its own, a certain bias in its perspective, a certain reduction, a certain circumscribing of its worldview that is solely, purposefully, aimed towards attacking religion and undermining its significance. And that in itself is viewed as necessary, as good, as somehow logically leading to a better world, a better society. Now this, for me, is problematic. 
And I'm saying this, and this is sort of an example I'm using to juxtapose my position, which is this is not something I will do. This is an approach that I will not take as a humanist. Whilst I affirm the religious critique, whilst I am in many ways supportive of people like Sam Harris and Christopher Hitchens and Dawkins and their critique of religion, which is pretty good, it's very persuasive. Their books, they're very, you like to read them, right? It really was. I mean, I remember reading them going back to the 2010s, it's where I started reading them. They're very, they get you into the debate. Even if you're a Christian, even if you're a believer, I mean, I used to be religious back in the day. That's a different story. But the point is that even if you are a believer, you hear what they have to say, you like to support their critique of religion because there's something good about it. There's something right about what they're asserting. However, however, the problem here is that that kind of singular critique, the singular focus on critiquing religion, on undermining its fundamentals, the attempt to delegitimize the validity of faith in terms of its scriptural authority, in terms of institutional authority, in terms of its cultural and social and moral significance, that becomes in its own right a reductive endeavor. It becomes in its own right a anti-intellectual endeavor, believe it or not. There needs to be balance. There needs to be a more comprehensive, a more well-rounded approach to engaging these questions. Balance is the key word here. What I'm seeking here in this critique, in this podcast, of course, the next seven episodes, in critiquing the secular worldviews, in critiquing secular ways of approaching the question of human well-being, which is what we are here for. After all, ultimately, human life is about living well. The humanism that I'm affirming is about helping people lead fuller, healthier, better, more joyful lives in the here and now. In this regard, I tilt more towards the secular side than the religious. I'm less concerned about life after death, about heaven and hell. While these things are significant in their own right, my main concern is about human well-being. It's about improving the lot for humanity. That is the humanism that I, I hope many others, are from. And, and to be honest, that's a question that applies regardless of who you are. It doesn't matter if you're an atheist or a Christian or, or an agnostic or, or even a humanist or not. As human beings, we value life. We value the goodness of life, we ought to value the goodness of life, that human well-being is important, that human upliftment is something that is worth pursuing, right? that human life is precious, that we have to protect it and guide it and nurture it, and anything that opposes its upliftment needs to be engaged in. And in this regard, kudos to the secularists, kudos to the, the secular critique of religion, who have correctly identified. Religion in some respects has failed. This is something I'll engage in the course of the next six episodes. That is that religion has in many ways failed in this regard. However, critique of religion, critique of religion emanating from the secular side, from the atheistic world, has not been comprehensive. In some respects, it's been counterproductive. It has not been helpful. It has not been supportive of the human upliftment project, if I may call it that, that we are all part of. At the end of the day, you and I want to make the world better. That's a principle. It applies universally. Either you want that, or you want to make the world a bad place or a worse place. It's basically one of the two. The problem is that, of course, when we are affirming that principle, we adopt worldviews and positions and methodologies which may or may not advance that cause. In some ways, whilst we may think that we're helping the human betterment project, that contributing to it constructively, we may be working to undermine it. We may be working against it. And that is something we will have to consider going forward. Right. So, guys, the aim of this podcast is to take this in part. Take this uh, as a step-by-step -step process, as a learning process. We're here to learn. We're here to grow. We're here to know more about these realities. And the adoption of a critical approach, a critical outlook, way of looking at these realities, right, is there to help us. Hence, the critique of a secular worldview, and I'm guessing some of the listeners, or maybe most of the listeners, are secular in your character. Maybe most of you guys are atheists. Maybe you all don't like religion. Maybe you all reject religion. We all think that religion is a bad thing and religion is there to cause problems. That I mentioned the new atheist, some of you, or maybe most of you, could be followers or believers. 
in the views of uh, the new atheists, Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins, etc. That may be the case. And truth be told, at one point, I was a, I was a follower. I was quite interested in their points of view. And I, in many respects, sided with them. Let's say those debates, some of you may know the debates between people like Hitchens and, I don't know, William Lane Craig and, and Dinesh D'Souza, etc. And these were very good debates, and I enjoyed watching them. And admittedly, I, I did support, let's say, for the most part, the atheistic side, whilst paradoxically being more of a transcendental person at the level of belief. With that said, going forward, in the course of the next six episodes, excluding this one, my approach will shift. I'll be more focused on critiquing the secular worldview. Going forward, the listener needs to be prepared. It needs to be, uh, how can I say, have an open mind, for the lack of a better expression. Uh, my critique of secular worldviews is not a critique of secularism, right? That is the decline of religiosity in the modern world. This is to be expected. This is understandable. This is you can see the evolution of society in many ways. From a sociological standpoint, the changes in culture, economics, technology, and so on, Religion, especially in its current character, in its current institutional character, is bound to face these challenges, it's bound to decline, it's bound to go into a certain regress. That's what we're seeing. I'm not exactly unhappy about it. I'm not thrilled about it, right? But this is something we have to expect. In the same vein, if religion is in decline, the natural tendency, oh, look, the secular, the atheistic, that's the way forward. That is the new approach. That is the, the way towards building a better society. What we have in places like Europe, especially Western Europe and so on, where the religious impulse is completely gone, right? People have totally bought in or embraced or adopted or given themselves up. What are expression? Mind you, those expressions are critical because they tell you how this has come about. It's not a straightforward linear process. And so the, the growth of secular, the decline of religiosity, the decline of faith, the decline of the importance of faith, of, of the transcendental, of belief, these things have become notable. They become significant. They become pervasive, especially in a European context. And that is something we have to consider. And you have to look at it critically. You need to look at it for what it is. It's easy to sing the praises of secular. This is what you have in places like the United States, where secular thinkers, especially on the left, political left, they sing praises to Europe. Oh, look at Europe. It's secular. It's atheistic. It's a much better place in America. Well, maybe. But there are consequences. There are shortfalls to that system. There are adverse effects, there are ill effects that result from adoption of the normalization of a secular worldview. That is to say, the rejection of religion in its entirety where the religious dimension no longer has a role to play in culture, in society, in these debates. That is not a good thing exactly, is it? Life would become less interesting, less complete. We'll be losing out on something when the religious impulse dies out completely. That's something for us to consider. That's going to be a part of this critique going forward. Is it really worth looking forward to? Is it worth celebrating the demise of religion in the Western world? Is it something that's necessarily a good thing? To use one example, going back to the debates between Christians and atheists, between apologists, Christian apologists and atheists, those debates are good because there's a Christian perspective, is it not? If there are only atheists around, then it will all be so uniform. The Christian worldview brings a certain perspective, it brings a certain uh, way of approaching life, a certain method, a certain, one could say, a certain you know, worldview. It is a worldview, not ultimately. And how we look at life in reality for what it is. And that is not something. And that is not something we should throw away. That's something we should do away with. But to argue this point, to make this point clear, to communicate this point to the well, masses, I guess, we need a critique of the secular worldview. We need a critique of these secular ideologies which are so pervasive. These cannot be given a free pass. Oh, because they're secular, right? You know, and historically, secularism and humanism have gone hand in hand. Secular humanism, the two expressions are conjoined in many ways. And we, I, am not comfortable with it. I am not affirmative of that position. Whilst I'm affirmative of the secular in a cultural sense, I affirm the transcendental at a spiritual, at a personal level. We cannot give secular ideologies and worldviews a free pass. We cannot. There needs to be a degree of scrutiny, a degree of criticism, right? a critical approach 
to these facets. We cannot be uh, fawning over, oh, look, people are criticizing religion. Look, and they are giving these old school bigots and close-minded village idiots a good uh, rollicking, which is what they deserve. Well, that might be true. Maybe these religious people do need a, a good talking down, a good lambasting for their narrow-mindedness, for their lack of intellectual seriousness, for their over-moral focus, their unhealthy preoccupation with sexuality. True. And that's a fair point. And this is something I've engaged here um, in the course of these episodes, certainly in part two. But in the same spirit, let's say, the secular guys need to be given, we need to test the metal as well. We need to know what their deal is. We need to know what they're offering. And that requires a critical approach, a critical outlook. And this is important. We need to have balance in this debate. Often when we have people talking about God and atheism and God and disbelief and goodness of the religious worldview and atheistic world, it gets very polemical very quickly. More pertinent, that is understand, but it gets polemical in an exclusionary way. We affirm a position, then we exclude the other completely. There's no place for the opposite position, the other side. And this is an issue. You know, whilst I'm critical of people like, say, Sam Harris, I think he has a lot to offer. He's someone who I have... Well, see, I used to admire him. I mean, his views have become a bit political for my liking. That's a different story. But he has a great mind. I mean, that has to be said. You know, his approach to society and culture is very commendable. His book, The End of Fate, is a tremendous work. I mean, it's very controversial, especially his criticism of Islam. Child not do. But uh, he brings a lot to the table. But he cannot be given a free pass. There are problems with his view. And going back to the political aspect of it, then we can see some of the shortfalls emerging, right? The, the combination of the political, which is something that will happen going forward, not on the next six episodes, guys. That, that's for the future. Uh, we can see there are shortfalls within the atheistic, within the secular edifice, which we need to engage, which we need to source out and criticize. And the aim of that is that we can get closer to a better understanding, a better view of approaching life, approaching life's challenges, finding answers to our problems, right? On how to improve things, how to improve the lot for humanity. That is why we're here, folks. We cannot give them a free pass. And by criticizing the atheistic position, by criticizing the secular worldviews and ideologies, of course, lightly, I mean, this is just a start. I mean, there'll be deeper, how can I say, more focused critiques of the secular and religious views and positions going forward. I will sort of hone in on the specific uh, intellectual, let's say, theological positions and the rationale that underpins uh, these worldviews going forward. Uh, but the point here is that we need to start somewhere. We need to look at reality for what it is. We need to be or well, try to be objective. And that entails adopting a balanced approach. That entails criticizing everyone in some ways, but to do so constructively, to be able to get something good, to, to be able to receive the positives, right, to take in the good things that they have to offer. Again, Christopher Hitchens is a good example. Great writer, great speaker. He has amazing way with words. He had very good things to say about art and literature, on history, on politics, right? Although his political positions, again, are a bit here and there. But the point is that everyone has something good to offer. Why? We are all here for one thing. We are all here to make things better for humanity. We want to contribute constructively for the upliftment of human life. We should not allow anything or anybody or any worldview to take our focus away from it, to distract us in that objective, the human betterment project, in the most abstract sense, but also in, the, in a very particular sense. We're here to make the world better. We're here to make life better. Whether it's improving the lot for humanity through greater wealth, by finding cures for disease, by better governance, better infrastructure, better management of resources, better technologies, transports, more efficient energy utilization, energy production, in houses which are safer, more secure, uh, infrastructure which is secure, which is able, which is more resilient to environmental damages, etc. All these things, it's all about making life better. And everything we do, everything you and I do in the workplace, in the personal space, in the relational space, at the fundamental level, in the most ultimate level, is contributing to this. It ought to contribute to this. And religion and secular worldviews are paradoxically all aimed towards this project. I'm going back to the key point I made in part two, was that 
Religions are failing to consider the importance of human well-being in the here and now. They're too focused on afterlife, on life after death, and that's a problem. And that was my main concern in part two. And this is a danger which I fear that secular worldviews could also fall into, given the fact that they are singular in their critique of religion and their wholehearted embrace. Uh, so this mechanistic, sort of the process-like approach to life and human life and human well-being is very complex. We have other needs, we have other aspirations, right? We have particular concerns and not all of them can be met by the secular impulse within the secular worldview. And of course, there are many worldviews here and we will have to go through them. We will have to engage them. So I already mentioned uh, the new atheists and that's just starting okay and these are of course big names they have a lot to say listener i have to say have an open mind if you're a fan of these individuals if you happen to be someone who builds towards the left left of center politics etc you might be in for something just to be clear but that is not meant as a complete attack or complete dismissal of your views of a complete rejection of the contributions that people make for example karl marx i mean his view that religion is an opium of the world i'm phrasing it differently but the point is that religion is an opium of the world there's some truth to it the religion is kind of escapism from life's problems. There's some truth to it, but it is not comprehensive. It's not complete. More work needs to be done. And the same thing can be said about political dimension in the sense of rejection of God in the political sphere. The idea of the separation of state from church, while significant, that does not entail necessarily the separation of God from life, of the church from society. That's a different question. Right? That's a different uh, proposition. There's more to this debate than just society and state or the relationship between state and society secular state need not necessarily imply or lead to a secular society. That's something for us to consider. You may disagree with that. You may say, oh, no, that, that's not how it is. If that is the case, let's let's talk about it. Right? Of course, I'm the one doing the talking here, but I'll try to be balanced. I'll try to provide a balanced approach. And uh, I don't know if these podcasts have a feedback mechanism. I'm not sure you can put in comments and whatnot unless you do it on YouTube. But we'll see. Maybe there is a feedback approach. Maybe I can listen to what you have to say about these things. But we'll get, get this going. We'll get this more constructive, more engaging. Let's have a more of a debate here than just we'll see how this goes i'm learning again this is a learning process still a long way to go this is what you can expect going forward a more critical approach towards the secular towards the atheistic towards the materialistic ideologies which i have in a way affirmed so far we need to look at them critically as well so that we can get to a fuller more wholesome a more man affirmative a more human affirmative understanding of life and that is the objective that is the aim of the new humanist that is the aim of humanity it seems all right folks this is a new humanist podcast get ready for part three i'm damien and see you in the next episode.